pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Somebody that watches us on Facebook challenged me and said, it's time for me to take my hat off. And I told them, as soon as I see you sitting in the pew, I'll take my hat off. Well, don't you know, the very next service, she showed up. <laughs> so I had to keep my word. I took my hat off, haven't put it back on since. I'm still a little thin up on top, but it's not bad. Hallelujah. It's growing more and more every day. Praise the Lord for hair. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Matthew 25. Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to start reading with verse 31. Matthew 25, 31. I'll give you a second to get there. Hallelujah. This message has been bubbling inside of me for two weeks. I'm telling you, I could hardly contain myself. I know what Jeremiah meant when he said it was like a fire shut up in his bones. That's what it feels like. Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set, set the sheep on his right, right hand, but the goats on his left, and then shall the king say unto them on his right, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was a hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, the sheep, the ones on the right, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungry, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw, we, when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. And then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, the goats, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was a hungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in, naked, and you clothed me not, sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, 
Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Hallelujah. The day he's talking about is the day that he returns with the church and all the angels to the battle of Armageddon. And it's the day when he defeats the Antichrist and his armies. And then he goes to set up his millennial kingdom. That's when he will gather the nations before him. All the nations of the world. And that's when he will separate them as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So Jesus told us plainly in verse 41 why hell exists and I know a lot of people say why would God send me to hell why did he create hell he, he created hell to send me there no he didn't create hell to send you there he told us plainly here that it was prepared for Satan and his fallen angels and God made it very clear that no man no woman no person no child nobody should ever have to go to hell he made provision for that in John 3.16, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through the world they might be saved. And, or through him they might be saved. And that word perish comes from a Greek word that is translated in other places as Destroy, lose, die, be lost, be marred, and as it is translated here, perish. But it never means annihilation, and it never means a cessation to exist. Here in this pas passage of scripture, it actually means the loss of souls in eternal hell. And then in verse 18, he said, he who believes in him is not condemned. But he who, who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. God made provision so that nobody would have to go to hell. All they have to do is believe in his Son and accept his finished work on the cross and they will miss hell and they'll gain heaven. He made it simple. Hell is not for us. Hell is not for people. It's for the devil and his angels and people say all the time well I believe I believe but it doesn't mean they're saved if you say you believe in the Son but you're not living a life consistent with those beliefs then the way you live will prove what you believe or what you actually believe and people who say they believe but continue following Satan and the kingdom of darkness will then have to spend eternity in hell with him or the lake of fire with him because you're following him there. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. No one. Not even you. You're either serving God and you're on your way to heaven or you're serving Satan and you're following him to hell. And you will reach a place of no return. As long as you're alive on this earth, you always have a chance to change the direction you're headed. You always have a chance to change masters. Amen. And if you don't do it here, you're going to find yourself in a place in a predicament where you will no longer have the opportunity to do that. 
But I want to concentrate on the latter part of verse 41 and use what time we have left to explain what Jesus was actually saying when he said, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. I want to spend time on this because I'm afraid that billions of people are going to hear Jesus say these words someday. Billions. They're going to hear him say, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire that was prepared for the devil and his angels. I pray nobody that I know ever has to hear those words. But I was inspired to pe preach this message today when I listened to a, a, a message that a prophet by the name of Robin D. Bullock preached one day, I, I think two or three weeks ago, probably three weeks ago. And he preached and used this as a text. And he defined one word in his sermon, one word in the text that just blew my mind. I mean, he defined the word depart. He, he gives the Greek definition for the word depart. And when he did, my mind just exploded with revelation. I was going every which way, thinking of all kinds of stuff. It was like that uh, a rare occasion where I would get like an instant message. And, and, and sometimes I have to work real hard for a message. You know, like I said, Wednesday, sometimes I have to read a whole book before I get inspired. Uh, sometimes I have to read uh, several paragraphs, several chapters, maybe even some different books in the Bible before I get inspired. And then there's those rare occasions when you just hear one word, and bam, a message comes to you. And that's what this was kind of like. And I really want to share what went through my heart and my spirit and my mind that day. I want to share that with you this morning. I think it's that important. But anyway, first of all, I learned that the word depart doesn't mean what I thought it meant. Matter of fact, I don't think it means what you think it means. Uh, especially when using this passage of scripture, it sounds like a directive. It sounds like Jesus is ordering something to do something and something. And in this case, he's ordering the goats on his left. And I always thought that Jesus was angry and disgusted when he said this. And the first thing I pictured was Jesus saying, get out of my face, leave my presence, depart, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. That's how I always pictured it. I, I pictured that Jesus was ticked and, and he was sending them to hell and he was angry while he did it. And then I realized that's so out of character. Now, now don't get me wrong. The Lord will rebuke a Pharisee or a religious person in a minute. We see that through the Bible. But he always did it with love. And he, he was probably the only one in the Bible and in the world that could have righteous anger or righteous indignation. You know, I tell Pastor Ed sometimes when I lose my temper, I say, well, it was righteous indignation. I was righteously angry. No, I was just angry. But Jesus could be angry with somebody and still love them and still have compassion and mercy on them and still care for them. In my moment of anger, I don't like you. I don't love you. And I don't have compassion on you at that moment in anger. So, you know, the Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. Well, I sin when I get angry because I get hateful. 
Not so much anymore. Thank the Lord, I've grown some. But Jesus could say anything, even to a Pharisee, and sound angry, but still you know that he loves them because that's his nature and that's his character. But I learned that word depart didn't mean anything that I thought it meant. And it wasn't, Jesus never said it like that. As a matter of fact, it was said in a spirit of love and with great compassion and with great sorrow and sadness and mercy with those words speaking, spoken by Jesus. It was one of the last things that Jesus ever wanted to say to anyone. And that word depart, as it's used here, comes from a Greek word, which I can't pronounce, so I'm not even going to try, but it means passageway. It means to transport, to move something from one destination to another, and it emphasizes the personal meaning which is attached to reaching a particular destination that you chose. That's what makes it personal. And it means to continue one's journey, to go one's way. It literally means to pursue the journey on which you embark on. That changes everything. When he said that, it changed everything. I had to readjust my theology concerning this and, and learn what it really meant and how Jesus really felt about saying those words. And I could feel Jesus's heart when he said them. Now, I didn't feel, I felt like he was angry and disgusted before, but now I felt compassion. I felt love. I felt mercy. I knew that he was saying something that he never wanted to say, but he had to say it. And so, in other words, when he said, depart from me, he was actually saying, continue on the journey you started. The journey you chose of your own free will to embark on. And that told me that everybody that was standing there on that day of judgment, uh, as he was getting ready to sit on his millennial throne, he separates the sheep from the goat like a shepherd separates them. And he says to the goats on the left, depart from me. And, and, he, and uh, at that point in time, there was no other recourse. There was no other chance of going in another direction. At that point in time, you were going to find yourself in hell. It was too late for those people on his lap. And that's a sad thing. And I could feel Jesus' heart. Because that was the last thing he wanted to see, was anybody to go into hell that was prepared for the devil and his fallen angels. Last thing he wanted to see. But then he brought me to a, a passage of scripture and uh, where Jesus is quoting something here. And I don't know if he was sharing an, uh, a spiritual insight into this or perhaps it was a vision that he had. But there were countless numbers of people and they're traveling down a road, and then all of a sudden they come to a fork in the road or a Y in the road, and now they have to make a decision to go one way or the other because that road they were on ends there, and now they have to choose, am I going this way or this way? And Jesus shared that with us. He indicated that when we reach this point in our journey, we must choose of our own free will what what road we're going to take. And Jesus being the great 
shepherd, the good shepherd that he is, I'm sure he was there directing people and telling them what direction to go. He was trying to, to guide the sheep. And in Matthew chapter 7, we find him crying out, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. And I could just picture him pointing to it. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who will choose to go that way. Uh, he didn't make the gate wide because he wanted people to go there. He didn't make it broad because he wanted people to go there. It was wide and broad because of all the people that chose to go that way. You know, if you go into a field or something and uh, a thousand people go this way and only 10 or 20 go this way, you're going to have a wide path, a broad way on this side, and you're going to have a narrow path or a narrow way on this side. That's because not too many people are going in that direction. And then he says, the highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. Choose that way. They're not directed that way. They're not pushed that way. They're not forced to go that way. They chose that way. And that's what made it so broad because there were so many of them choosing it because it was an easier path to take. In verse 14, he says, but the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult. No wonder they went to Broadway. They don't want to take a narrow, difficult road. That's too hard. And he says, and only a few ever find it. And then he says in verse 15, and you wonder, what's this got to do with that wide and that narrow gates? But he says, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. He says in verse 16, you can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. That's why I said you can say you believe anything. But I will know for sure by the lifestyle that you're living. I will know for sure by the fruits that you're producing, whether or not you believe something. Amen? But he's speaking of a journey here that actually starts at birth. And ends at one of the two eternal destinations that these two roads end at. And the thing that we have to understand is that there is only two eternal destinations. Two not three, not one, two, eternal destination. One is heaven and one is hell. There's nothing above, nothing beneath, and nothing in between. Two eternal destinations that you can go to. And it's your choice to choose which one you go to. God gave us a free will and he died for your right to, to make your own choices. He'll not interfere with that. It might grieve him. He might not want you to go a certain way. But if you choose to go the wrong way, he has to let you. And every person that has ever lived, past, present, or future, will one day find themselves on one of these two roads headed to one of these two destinations. There's no exceptions because there are no other eternal destinations that you can go to. So this is exactly what we have here in our opening scripture. The passage we read when, when, when I first started preaching. Jesus is speaking prophetically of a future event that will take place that describes a group of people who have reached 
their eternal destination. The goats reach their destination of hell, and the sheep reach their destination into the kingdom of God. Two destinations. And they're both there because they chose to be. So to help us understand this better, let me give you a brief timeline. At the time that Jesus seen this prophetic event, and, and you know, a prophet, uh, and Jesus was a prophet. Paul said, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. He was a, an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, a teacher. He was the five-fold ministry all wrapped into one. And, and a prophet goes to a future place. He sees something. He hears something. And then he returns to real time, and he tells you what he's seen. That's what a prophecy is. So Jesus actually seen this. He heard, those, he heard himself speaking those words, and he comes back and he tells us. But anyway, the church age has ended, and the church has been raptured seven years before Jesus standing there separating sheep and goats. And the world just went through seven years of tribulation. The Antichrist and all his armies are assembled at the Valley of Megiddo for the Battle of Armageddon. And they're assembled there for one purpose, to defeat and annihilate Israel along with all of her allies. And when all of a sudden the eastern sky splits open, and here comes Jesus on a white charger with all the angels of heaven and the church behind him. And he descends on the battle. And he touches down on Mount Olive, the same place that he ascended from, he descended to. And when he does, the mountain splits in two and creates a great valley between them. And he then totally defeats the Antichrist and destroys his armies. And the battle was so fierce that the blood of that battle flowed through that created valley up to the bridle of a horse. Five or six feet of blood flowing through a valley. That was a big battle. That was a big defeat of the Antichrist and his armies. Now, of course, part of that battle consisted of fire falling from heaven and hailstones uh, about a talent apiece, which is a thousand pounds, two thousand pounds, but the the fire mingling with the hailstones created a lot of water, and that water rushed toward the valley, and it picked up all the blood from all those slain service uh, uh, soldiers, and that's what flowed through that valley about the height of a horse's bridle. And then Michael the archangel grabs the Antichrist and the false prophet, I like to say by the nap of their neck, and throws them into hell. They're not coming back. But Satan, he binds with chains and he puts him into the bottomless pit where he will stay during the entire millennial reign of Christ. In other words, he will be chained in that pit for a thousand years. At the end of that thousand years, he'll be loose for a short season to deceive once again those that are willing to be deceived and follow him like they did before. People don't learn lessons. And, you know, people followed him before, and they realized what happened. I mean, uh, that great battle of Armageddon, all those soldiers that followed the Antichrist were slain, 
And yet, at the end of a thousand years, he's going to be loose and he'll be able to deceive people again to do the same thing. That would be the final uprising against Christ. That's a thousand years later. That's after his reign. But right before Christ sits on the throne of David and starts his millennial reign, his thousand year reign, we find him here separating the sheep from the goats. And this is what shepherds did every night. During the day, during the time of light, they were, they were allowed to live together. But at night, in darkness, they were separated. And that's what he's doing here. Like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. I ask the Holy Ghost all the time when I'm preaching, don't let me, arrest me if I go say something that I shouldn't say. That was one of them moments. You can think what you want to, but that's what happens sometimes. I go to say something and he says, mm -hmm, don't say it. So I have to back up and regroup. But that was one of those moments. But anyway, he takes the nations that have stood against Israel and refused to help them during the tribulation period and puts them to his left and calls them goats. And then he takes the nations that allied with Israel and helped them, and he puts them to his right side, which is the place of favor and honor and acceptance. They will enter his kingdom, but the goats are going to hell. He's telling these people of the goat nations to depart into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. These people could have entered into the millennial kingdom, the kingdom of God, with Christ, but they didn't qualify because they turned their back on Israel and they turned their back on God. And he's telling us that there are two classes of people that have ever lived. He's telling us that they will be going to one of these two destinations, heaven or hell. And he classified them here as sheep and goats. But you could classify them as the righteous and the unrighteous, the saved and the lost, the allies of Israel or the enemies of Israel. And so do you see why it is so important that our nation, that the United States of America, always be staunch allies of Israel? We can never turn our back on Israel because God would consider that turning our backs on him. Yes. Because he identifies with Israel just like Jesus identifies with us. And as much as you did it unto one of these, the least of my brethren, you have done it unto me. Yes. God identifies with his people. And Israel is the apple of his eye. And he said, if you curse Israel, I will curse you. And we don't want to be a cursed nation. We want to be a blessed nation. But we're headed towards that place of cursing. And we got to turn it around. And we're going to start turning it. It's like a big ship. You turn the rudder, but it takes time for that ship to come around. Well, we're going to turn the rudder here in about 10 or 11 days. And the ship is going to start turning into the right direction. And we're going to get back into God's favor. Amen? The sheep would enter into God's kingdom 
with Jesus and live with him forever. Now, I don't have time to get into this or explain it, but these are live fleshly people. We are resurrected saints. We were already in heaven for seven years celebrating the marriage supper of the Lamb, and we're returning with Jesus to the battle of Armageddon. We have glorified bodies. We have eternal bodies that are going to live forever. But the people that were identified as sheep nations, they go into the millennium alive and in the flesh. And so uh, there, there were other saints saved during the tribulation that were raptured to heaven, and they come back as glorified saints as us. But the ones that go into the sheep, the sheep that go into the, the uh, millennium are going to be flesh and blood people. But they could live forever as well. They just have to eat from the tree of life and eat from the trees that provide healing. And they will be readily available. But again, it's a matter of choice. Uh, Jesus is going to have a law that states everyone must come on a pilgrimage every year and worship him at the temple, the temple of God. And if you don't, if you choose not to, then you will not get to eat from the tree of life, and you can die. And yes, there will be, in eternity, there will be funerals, there will be people that die, but it's all because of their choice. God never takes that choice of, of or the free will of choice from us. He always lets us choose, because he don't want, wor he don't want uh, robots worshiping him. I could get into that right now, but that's what this, this new thing is. Uh, they want to decrease population, and they want to have nanobots, half human, half... I mean, this is like Star Wars stuff that they're trying to do. They, you know, they're saying they have... They're not equal with God. They're greater than God. And this prophet of theirs, I'm just going to say it. If I get cut off, I get cut off. But uh, Yuval Noah Harari thinks that we can, they can reduce the population to about 500 million, which means there's going to be a lot of people missing from this earth if they get to do that. And they will be slaves to the elite. Uh, they'll be uh, slaves and serfs. And they will serve the elite. That's the utopia that they're looking for. But God has a different plan. And, and it's not going to happen. But uh, they want you to be like half man, half robot. You know, space, space age stuff. And they want you to be in obedience to them. So, and, uh, you know, they, he said himself that God managed to create some organic matter. Uh, like drafts and things like that and human beings. And he's talking down on God's greatest creation, a human being. And, and uh, he's saying that uh, their creation will be greater. And I don't know if you realize your worth. God said you're fearfully and wonderfully made, but you're so worthy, you're so full of worth and value, uh, you're his prized creation. And you're so full of worth and value that uh, the devil wants to be like you. That's the purpose of this whole rebellion. 
he wants to be like a human because God created us even above the angels, even above uh, Lucifer or Satan. And demons want to possess you. I mean, why, why does Satan want to be like you and the demons possess you if you're not more valuable than they are? And they recognize that and realize that. And that's what they're trying to do in this thing called the reset. But they're not going to succeed. I can tell you that for sure. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But here's what grieves Jesus and, and makes him so sad. The goats are going to hell at this point, And there's nothing that they can do about it. And there's nothing that he can do about it. You see, these people are in the last steps of their journey. Uh, and they're only a few steps away from hell. And... Uh, the journey that they willfully chose to travel on and at this point in their destination it cannot be changed and so I know Jesus didn't say anything at that point with anger and disgust and frustration he said it with great compassion he said he looked at them and I believe with tears in his eyes that's not in the Bible that's just what I believe and he said continue the journey you started on you only have a few feet to go. And at that point, before that, it was dialogue. He talked to them, they talked back to him, you know. Uh, when seen we thee a hungry and didn't feed you? But now it's monologue. They don't get to talk anymore. They don't get to say anything anymore. They don't get to make excuses or tell them they're sorry. It's depart from me. Continue the journey you started on. You're only a few feet away, and they have to go. That's a sad time for Jesus. And those words will be the last words they ever heard from him. And they will regret it for all of eternity. Now, because our forefather Adam and his sin of disobedience and rebellion Every person starts out on the same road. We're born on this road that Jesus had a vision of or a spiritual insight that he shared with us in Matthew 7. We're all born on this road. And we all start traveling this road. We don't have a choice. And uh, all of a sudden we'll come to this fork or this Y in the road where the wide gate and the narrow gate is. And in that day, when we come to that fork in the road, it will be when we hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. The day that we learn about Jesus, and that's the day that we have to make a decision. Now, all the people on that road separate here at the fork. Most will go to Broadway because it looks the easiest. And there will be a few that find the narrow and go through the narrow gate. And down that narrow road, which is more difficult. But everybody's going to come to this fork in the road. If they deny Jesus Christ, they will go the wide gate and the broad way. And they will start their journey on the road that leads to destruction and hell. Or they'll accept Jesus and go through the straight and narrow gate. And journey on the narrow path that leads to the kingdom of God and everlasting life. Only two destinations. Can't go up the middle. There is no middle. And some will say, well, I just won't make a choice yet. 
I heard the gospel. I'm standing here at the fort. I ain't going either way right now. I just won't choose. I have plenty of time to make up my mind. No, actually you don't because when you choose not to choose, then you'll find yourself on the broad way that leads to destruction and hell anyway. And you will stay on that path until you come to the place where you choose Christ or you reach that eternal destination. And besides, you never know if you'll have another opportunity to accept Jesus. People die instantly all the time. In a car wreck, you can have a massive heart attack. Some criminal on these streets that we live on today could shoot you in the head and kill you, and you will never have an opportunity to make a choice. That's why the Apostle Paul says, today is the day of salvation. You see, tomorrow is not promised to us. So you're gambling when you say that I won't choose, I'll wait. There's things I want to do, there's fun that I want to have, and I don't think I can have that fun and enjoy the sin that I want to enjoy as long as I'm traveling on the narrow path, I'll just go the broad way. That's why it's broad. That's why there's so many people going that way. It's easy. Remember, Jesus said to beware of false prophets. It didn't seem like it fit in that passage of Scripture. But he said, he talked about the broad and the narrow way and all that. And then he says, beware of false prophets. See, some people are on the broad way because they were deceived by a false prophet. A false prophet, a false evangelist, a false teacher, a false minister, or a stupid friend. They were deceived into thinking that the broad way was safe. Mm -hmm. And there's a dangerous message, and I preached on this before because this message has been going around for several years now. But there's a dangerous message of tolerance and acceptance. It's a gospel of inclusion that says Christ died for all of us. And he did. But we still have to choose to serve him. If you don't choose to serve him, you stay on the broad way that leads to destruction and hell. If you choose to serve him, you transfer over to the narrow way and you start walking the straight and narrow. Mm -hmm. But anyway, they're preaching that you can live any way you want, do anything you want because Christ already paid for your sin and you'll still go to heaven when you die. And that message that's being preached in these liberal churches by liberal pastors and liberal evangelists and liberal teachers and false prophets is sending millions of people to hell. Millions. These pastors and teachers and false prophets think that they can alter and twist the word of God to make themselves more popular and to please man. They're preaching that you can live any way you want and God has to accept you just the way you are. And this is exactly what a lot of people want to hear, especially the ones that are living in sin. That's a nice message for them. Man, I could do anything I want. I could live in my sin, enjoy the pleasures of sin, and still go to heaven. They're preaching that God loves you too much to send you to hell. And they're right about that. He does love you too much to send you to hell. 
But if you choose not to accept him, when you reach that fork in the road, then you send yourself there and you do it willingly. God will never send somebody to a place that was prepared for the devil and his angels. You can have me, God, but I'm not changing. You can have me, God, but I'll continue living and doing whatever I want to do. What arrogance to think like that. You think God has to bow to your arrogance. You think you can live any way that you want to, and God has to accept you. You think you can, you can sit in a church. Let me see. Well, we're still on, but it won't be for long. You think you can sit in a church that stands on a platform with those who promote the slaughter of innocent babies and then vote for them. And you think you can stand on a platform that, uh, with those that mock God and advocate anything but two genders and the marriage of one man and one woman. You think you can vote for unbelievers and atheists that think they are greater than God and you think you can mock and twist God's word to suit you, but I got news for you. God's word is not subject to anyone or anybody. Amen. You're subject to his word, and that's not going to change. God's word will not bow to you or me or anybody. And you will come to the place in your journey where you will hear, hear Jesus say, depart from me. Continue to pursue the journey that you started on and willingly stayed on. You don't have far to go now, and you won't be able to give him an excuse or a reason why you shouldn't go there. You might think, that, well, wait a minute, God. I realize I took the wrong path. Now, I want to change directions. Please let me hear one more sermon. Let me hear one more altar call. Send me one more witness. But they won't come. You won't hear them. You'll never hear another sermon. You'll never hear another altar call. And you'll never hear that friend that witnessed to you at work again. You'll never feel the pull of God and you'll never feel the wooing of the Holy Spirit ever again. You'll never feel his conviction anymore. You know, God spoke, spoke through the prophet Isaiah, and Paul quoted it in Romans. He said, with love, I have held out my hands day after day, offering myself to this unbelieving and stubborn people. All day long, I opened my arms to you, but you were disobedient and rebellious. You rejected me. God said that through the prophet Isaiah. His arms were open to us every day, all day long. He was there for us every step of the journey. And you could have turned to him at any time, but you refused God and you rejected his son. Now you find yourself at a place that you don't think you belong. You went there willingly. You said no to God. You denied the Lordship of Jesus Christ, his son, and you rejected him, and you did it because you wanted to. Now 
now you're at the end of your journey and you hear Jesus say, depart from me, continue to pursue the journey that you willfully and willingly set out on. And you'll remember the day, you'll remember the day that you had the opportunity to go to the left or to the right. You believe that false prophet, that pastor. There's people sitting in liberal churches today that have twisted and perverted the gospel to the point where God ain't even going to show up there anymore because he don't even recognize the word that's being preached there. There's no anointing. There's no, I mean, hey, they're gifted speakers. They're, uh, they're gifted orators, but there's no anointing. There's no drawing. God's word has been watered down and mocked. So God certainly ain't going to be a part of that. There's liberal churches all over the world today, yep. right now. Big churches, I could name some of them, but I won't. Mm -hmm. But you stuck with that false pastor, that teacher that thought they could change the word of God just to accommodate your sin. You stuck with him. Because he tickled your ears and told you what you wanted to hear. Yeah. You thought God would chase you to heaven. But now you're at the end of your journey and you realize the power of free will. You realize that he died to give you the freedom to choose. But most of all, you realize and recognize that it's your will and your abuse of that freedom that got you to that place where you're at. And now it's too late. Now you're hearing the words, depart from me. Continue to pursue the journey you started out on. But God, you have to love me. I was taught that you can't reject me. They told me you have to forgive me. God says, I do love you. I never rejected you. You rejected me. I would have forgiven you, but you never asked. You didn't think you needed to be forgiven. As a matter of fact, you seemed to enjoy your sinful life and the journey you were on. You seemed to enjoy my pursuing you, my wooing you, my calling you, my pleading with you. I did it all your life. You had every chance to turn and change directions. You wanted to live your life the way you wanted to, and you wanted God to accept it and accept you just the way you are. And you thought it was all right. You thought God would never send me to hell. He loves me too much to do that. And that's true. He would never send you to hell. But he will let you continue on the journey you started. And you started it of your own free will. And never again, and this is the sad part, and this had to break Jesus' heart because he's saying never again will God call on you. Never again will God pursue you. Never again will he try to redirect your life. Never again will the Holy Ghost woo you into the kingdom of God. Continue on the journey you started on. You're almost there. And I pray that God's but people, not only God's people, but I pray people wake up before it's too late. I try to make this sound as real as it actually is. I know I fall short in that area, but 
This may be the last time people get to hear a message like this. This may be the last time God ever woos you or pursues you or tries to get you to change direction in your life. This may be the last sermon that you hear like this. The last opportunity for an altar call. You could go out there and, like I said, die an instant death and never have a chance to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I don't know why anybody would want to take a chance like that. But now for the few minutes I have left, and we'll get back to that, but for the few minutes I have left, I want to speak directly to those that at one time knew God. We call them backsliders. They were, they were born again in the church, maybe had a ministry, maybe were working and serving God, and now they're out of church. And now they're not serving God anymore. And now they're angry and mad and uh, forlorn or, or whatever. But they're not in church anymore. I want to speak to those for a few minutes. None of you, because you're here. But there might be a few out there in social media land that need to hear this. And that's another thing. You know, I want to talk to those that think they can serve a social media God. And be pastored or shepherded by uh, a Facebook preacher or a YouTube preacher. And they think it's all right to post uh, uh, John 3.16 on their Facebook page or may, uh, maybe post a, a cute little Christian meme on their Facebook page. And they think that makes them a Christian and they think that makes them safe, but they're not safe. They think that's a substitute for sitting under a pastor that preaches the word in a church with other believers, and it's not. And I love this, I love you enough to tell you that you're on the wrong path. I love you enough to tell you that if you don't have some type of physical impairment that actually makes it uh, makes it impossible for you to come here physically, then you belong here. You don't have an excuse. You should be sitting in one of these chairs every time the church's doors are open. And if you're not and you think you're safe, you're deceived. Don't get mad at me. I'm, I, I'm telling you this because I love you. You might think I'm being a little extreme. Pastor, you're being a little extreme now, ain't you? Well, I don't mean to be rude, but I don't really care what you think. I only care what God thinks and what his word says. That's what I care about. I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please God. Amen. And if it means I have to say something that you don't like or I have to hurt your feelings, then so be it. And this Bible right here is God thinking out loud. I'm concerned what God thinks. God seems to think that we shouldn't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. What day? The day we're talking about right now. The day that the sheep and the goats are separating. That's the day that's approaching and it's approaching rapidly. God seems to think that we need to be in a church with other believers. So excuse me if I decide not to care about what you think. I'd rather care about what God thinks. 
And I'm sure that you have a good reason for leaving the church. I'm sure you feel justified. Maybe you're mad at the pastor or the church leadership, or maybe you're mad at somebody that offended you and you decided to leave the church and leave the path and head to hell because you were offended or your feelings got hurt. That's who I'm talking to. Well, let me tell you something. I ain't perfect. The church leadership ain't perfect. The people that sit in these pews are not perfect. That's why we need Jesus. That's why Jesus came. And I'm going to step out on a limb here and say that I don't think you're perfect either. But I'll ask you a question, maybe two. Whatever your reason is for not being in church, and I'm sure it's a good one, do you think Jesus will accept that reason and excuse you for thinking you know better than him? That's the first question. Second question is, do you really think it's worth going to hell over because your feelings was hurt? Or because somebody says something you didn't agree with? Maybe you're not in church because you're mad at God. There's a lot of people mad at God. They blame him for a lot of things that he doesn't do. Maybe you blame him for taking a loved one. Maybe you blame him for the circumstances you're in. And maybe you have an excuse for not accepting him. Maybe you have an excuse for not coming to church. Maybe you even had a good reason for leaving the church and living any way you want, but now you realize you're wrong. Well, you know, the good thing about this, if you find yourself standing with the goats, that's the end. Your, your next step is hell itself. You're right there. You're just a few steps away. But where you're at right now, you still have time to change directions. If you're walking down that broad way that leads to destruction and hell, I got good news for you. You can cross over and get on the narrow path anytime you want. All you have to do is repent and believe in the Son of God, like Jesus said in John 3.16. That's all it takes. It's no big deal. There's no big ceremony. There's no big sacrifice of any kind. All you have to do is recognize you're on the wrong path and say, God, I'm sorry. I want to change directions. I want to change paths. When I get to the end of this path, I don't want to find myself on your left with the goats. I want to find myself on the right with the sheep, the ones headed to the kingdom of God. It's easy. It's easy. Will you pray for, with me? I, I, I want to pray for everyone that feels the pull of God on you right now, that feels the wooing of the Holy Spirit. You know God is talking to you. God is tapping on your shoulder right now saying, this applies to you. I want you to pray with me. Whether you never knew him or whether you knew him and turned your back on him and started living your own life. I want you to pray with me right now. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for salvation, for direction. I thank you that you're my shepherd. And you're leading me in the right direction. I know you're speaking to me right now. I repent of my sins. I repent for taking the wrong road. I repent for not acknowledging you. And I ask you to forgive me. 
Set my feet on the right path. The path that leads to the kingdom of God and heaven. Take me off the path that leads to destruction and hell. I believe in your son. I believe he was raised from the dead. I believe he died for me. I accept that sacrifice. And I ask you to accept me. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. I pray somebody prayed that prayer with me this morning with sincerity. And you really meant it. Because if you did, then you changed directions. You changed the path that you were traveling on. You went from the broad way to the narrow way. And you will find yourself, when you reach the end of your destination, whether it's by way of Jesus coming and rapturing the church, or uh, you find yourself at that place and uh, when Jesus is getting ready to set up his millennium, you'll find yourself on the right side of the Lord. Amen? God bless you. We love you. Hey, share this message. Maybe you know somebody that could hear it, that needs to hear it. Maybe you know somebody that it will help. Just hit the share button. And if you did accept Christ today or you returned to the, to the church today and you uh, returned to Christ today, make a little note and send it to us on our, our comment in the comment section. And let us know that you did, because we want to pray for you. We're not going to contact you. We're not going to ask you for money or anything like that. We're just going to pray for you. Yes. God bless you. We love you. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.